on this episode of AV Week, taking a look at the experiential side of the AV industry, what it means to have control in the cloud, and the importance of awards for IT and AV. All that and more, next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 555, recorded Friday, April 8th, 2022. Unreal AV. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED, innovative audio solutions for every business environment. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us. That's the news and information we have together this week. First and foremost, Brent Walker from Kierkegaard. Welcome, ma'am. Hello. Thanks for having me again. Happy to be here. I will point out that Brent is technically on PTO, and yet she still, she still joined us. So. Wouldn't miss it for anything. I appreciate it. Uh, the next two gentlemen uh, don't really need an introduction, not that Brent does either, but uh, I got together back the, 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 the band uh, from um, uh, the old Barco uh, podcast. First and foremost, Mr. Mark Coxon, uh, who now works for XTG with AVISPO. Welcome, sir. How you doing, Tim? Good. Uh, and on the other side of the ring was uh, Mr. Chris Neto, but he is now working for Starin. Welcome, sir. Thank you. I also like to announce that I'm now your new hairstylist. Enjoy the new do. <laughs> There's a there's a can of trust me heading your way, sir. You you and Matt Scott are my hairstylists, so um, <laughs> and my daughter. I'm not sure which one. Uh, so uh, I uh, I just flew in from Houston, and boy are my arms tired. That is my joke for the week. <laughs> um, if if you missed it, uh, check out PSNI's 2022 uh, Super Summit. Really great stuff. Uh, had a, a chance to to do a kind of unique uh, experiential um, interview with five really smart. Uh, AV users uh, remotely. Uh, the technical team at Corey's AV put them up on, on an LED wall behind me. Uh, it was very cool. Uh, and Joe Way was even there. So there was, there was that. So that was, that was kind of cool. So, uh, all right. Uh, first story comes to us from our friends uh, over at um, uh, AV Network. Biamp has won four 2022 Red Dot Awards for outstanding product design. Um, they have won the quote-unquote prestigious uh, DeSono, uh, I'm sorry, the prestigious Red Dot Awards for DeSono uh, X loudspeakers, for paging stations, video conferencing, and design for the Tessera Forte X. Bren, I'm going to start with you on this. Um, when it comes to looking at products and it comes to figuring out what deserves to be in a client's uh, space, how important are awards to the AV space and how important are awards when you're talking to folks in the IT market? Not very. I, I think getting philosophical about awards, if they pay you to take the award, that's like the MacArthur, like that's a, that's an award. But if you got to pay, you know, 400 euros to enter and then 4,000 euros to get your award, I mean, you know, I get it. It's awards are marketing tools and more power to whomever uses them to market them to their best advantage. We always choose products based on the function and what the need is for the client first and foremost. 
if it's happened to one in a ward, we're probably going to know more about it because the marketing is going to be maybe more exp expansive than a product that doesn't have an award. All right. Mr. Neto, from your standpoint, both uh, from Starin as well as talking to your clients and from uh, your, your perch at AV in the AM uh, as you, you talk to uh, thousands of folks on a Sunday morning, mm -hmm. how important are these awards to, to, the, to the various markets? Uh, man, I'm just going to open it up right now for the haters to come on and, and start booing uh, because that's what we do here, right? Um, I'm a proponent do, do we? of the awards. Do we? Have I ever booed anybody? Well, no, but I may I mean, the Packers. a booing section now or people that may hate on me or you or AV Week because I'm going to say that, yes, I do like the awards. And from a product's perspective, right, if it's a voting thing, it is great for marketing, as Brent has said, right? It's attention getting, right? We, we are in a, a world of technology that there is a thousand products that all do the same thing. So you're looking for the, that, that way to separate yourself. And if that award is what helps break you away from the next device that does the same thing, so be it. I, and that's where I'm a fan of it. As When we start talking about awards for people as opposed to technology, I encourage people to even be nominated simply because for the amount of time that you're out there and you're being nominated, if you're a person or a product, it's weeks of exposure that you have as a nominee. And to be honest with you, it's equally as good to be nominated on a product uh, for a product award or a person award because it actually gives you or the product great exposure. So for people, you know, that, um, that are concerned about awards, you know what, go for it. I mean, it's, you know how much it costs to take an ad out in a publication? It's not much different. So you might as well go for these awards and see who covers it. Uh, does it influence, you know, one being better than the other? That's up to you and how you perceive these awards, right? Every Motor Trend Car of the Year award that comes out seems to be always the same, right? Doesn't help me, you know, decide that I'm going to buy a boring Accord, right, over the car that I want to buy. Uh, I'm not influenced like that on a car purchase. If that's the way you want to choose your speakers, go for it. If that's the way you want to choose your your your, uh, your video conferencing tools, that's up to you. But yes, it's a marketing tool, but I'm just in a different perspective. From a marketing perspective, it is a great tool and a great vehicle for people to, you know, promote their, their products and try to separate themselves from the pack. So it's a it's a it's a good ROI from that standpoint. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. All right, uh, Mr. Coxon. Um, most recently, you you worked for a distributor. Now you work for an integrator. Before that, uh, it was uh, no, I'm sorry. Yes, integrator. Now just it, you. I lose track of you, dude. Integrator sorry. now, distributor, integrator, and then manufacturer. So come down on on, on kind of all these sides, and you you do talk to the IT channel an awful lot. Does it matter to that channel? Is it, is it, you know, effective for marketing or is it, is it not? Um, I think it's good for the manufacturer. I don't know that from an integrator standpoint, talking to an IT manager who's putting products in their building, that if it comes down to them being 20 to 30% more in cost, that the award's going to make a difference in them making that decision. Mm -hmm. Right. So if, if it lies within the cost parameters and it, accomplishes the goal that they've set out to do, then if it has an award, that's a bonus, right? But not necessarily a decision-making factor in that world in my eyes. Um, I think many times, you know, 
AV projects that end up in the hands of IT managers come down to the dreaded phrase that Chris and I hate, good enough, right? We're moving data. Are we getting sound? Are we getting picture? Are we moving data? And if we're doing those three things, then it's a win from an IT perspective. And so if the sound, you know, if the speaker won an award, then that'd just be gravy, right? That not not a necessarily a buying decision factor. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, it's funny when we talk about these awards, I remember one time my boss at an integrator fielded a call from a magazine, Bryn brought up this magazine thing. And they said, congratulations, you've won, you know, an award for the best integration company within your local, you know, 16 zip codes. And for, you know, the bargain price of $2,000, we'll send you this little Lucite statue that says, you know, number one integrator in local area, blah, blah, blah. And he promptly said, you know, I actually don't think I'm going to purchase this, but I want to congratulate you on not spending your time trying to rip off old people. Um, at least you're offering a physical product to somebody <laughs> and, and good luck with that out there. Um, to Chris's point, awards are great if you make use of them, right? And there's a lot of noise and Biamp's making some stuff that's really cool and different, like the Tessera stuff is cool and different. It really is. I, I like what they do with AVB. Um, to USB bridging and all the stuff they do with those products. But honestly, 70 volt speakers are 70 volt speakers. So if the award gets you out of the muck, great, great for you. Use it as a manufacturer, but I don't think it's a buying decision on an IT manager side. All right, very good. Uh, next story comes to us from my tech decision. Uh, Crestron uh, has announced the enhanced enhancements for the VC4, uh, the Enterpri um, Enterprise IT Management. Uh, it is a virtual control solution um, that it allows the VC4 to scale up even higher. Up to 500 spaces can be uh, controlled uh, with this. Uh, Chris, uh, before we get started on this, Crestron is a, a sponsor of Aviation. Before I get, get uh, too much further from this, um, what what do we feel about Crestron kind of expanding into this, or expanding their presence in the the cloud control space? Isn't it inevitable? <laughs> and then inevitable? inevitable is it isn't it okay yeah yeah my thought on this tim was about time honestly i mean i think we've known for a long time with utelogy and chris and i worked for barco where they had overture we know that server-based control is something that's been available for a long time that you can pack these control packets on a server virtualize a machine isolate it out put your commands in docker containers and then push them out to all these rooms and then it becomes a licensing play um, I think the traditional AV network channel, there were two things standing in the way. Number one, um, you know, Crestron, sponsor the show, not sponsor the show. We, we know as integrators that the more you buy, the better your buying level is. And if you start to drop off, all of a sudden you don't buy things as easy. People don't pick up, pick up the phone as quick. You know, those things happen. And so if you start to transition away from these black boxes that were a big part of your yearly annual, with one of your major manufacturers, you start to endanger your relationship. So maybe you hold on to something that's appliance-based longer than you actually have to, mm -hmm. um, to help support that relationship, number one. Um, I think I think that customers have been pushing for this. Every time we saw customers look at Overture and look at that backend, they really loved it. They liked the idea of able, being able to program in HTML or Simple or C++ or some language that they knew that wasn't a proprietary programming language to execute codes. These are all things end users have wanted. Um, and then the other thing that's held this back in the market is, is, and it's the reason that we don't sell services as much as we should just in general, is that integrators are really, they really um, compensate their salespeople on hardware margins. 
it's a project-based margin business. They haven't really made it super clear in a lot of companies how you get paid when you sell services. So if I can if I can make a thousand dollars in GP and know I put two hundred dollars in my pocket, or I can get a two ninety nine a month service contract for three years and I don't know how much the company's going to pay, what am I going to do as a salesperson? I'm going to take the sure money, right? So I think I think this actually helps the industry, long and short. Um, Crestron getting into that market, validating it, and then actually creating uh, a partnership with integrators where they start to see this as something they need to build into their ecosystem and learn how to compensate people on it on the back end. All right. So you actually bring up a, a several different good points Sorry. here. No, no, you're, that's, <laughs> that's why we have these conversations. Um, the first question, and, and you know, Bren or Chris, either one, um, what happened with Overture? Like, seriously, like I, I get what, what you're saying about the, it's what the IT channel has wanted. And I, I have a lot of really great folks that I know that, that are at Utelogy. Right, I could be wrong, but I couldn't tell you the last time that, that Utelogy was at an AV trade show. Right, they, they've they've not. I'm not to say they've abandoned AV, but they found success in the IT channel. And dude, where you find success is a lot of times where you're gonna double down. So they're 100% in in that channel, and that's who they're selling to. They're not selling to the AV folks. They're selling directly to the IT folks. Um, Overture was a good competitor to them. And suddenly it kind of just went away. It was an acquisition that Barco made that, quite frankly, they didn't do much with. Um, but Mark makes a good point that, that Crestron um, kind of held folks up from going down this road, right? And yes, they have this, this product now, but we've also got to figure out a way from a compensation standpoint, how you, number one, retrain an entire sales staff um, and number two, how you help them understand their compensation. Um, Mr. Neto, how do you do this? You, you also have the, the X factor, which keeps going. It, it's what, what kind the wrong of wrong show. This is AV week. The X factor. Is a yeah, the X factor is a different show. Simon, the whole deal. I get it. Um, but you, you have this other, the, the unspoken mystery component that we talk about on, on AV and the AM and that's companies wanting to evolve with the technology. Right. At one point, we love to stand up on our on our podiums and say, you know what? We are super smart. Not only are we super smart, but we've excelled so much that te te that technology doesn't exist for what we want to do. And then pandemic came and now we don't have that excuse anymore because a lot of research went into, you know, stuff that we weren't thinking of before. Companies started digging into their vault. Right. And it wasn't the room systems. Now it became the work from home systems. And you know what, you want to take a, a good comparison, you know, how many people were selling soft codec video conferencing systems or licenses successfully prior to the pandemic? Now mimic that about what's going on with the control systems, right? They didn't know how to sell licenses for control systems, right? Maybe Utelogy had that down right, you know, maybe they had some special secret sauce in, in, in play that Barco couldn't figure out, right? And maybe Crestron was just lying in wait, just waiting to see how this would shake out. You know, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the the optimist here, and I'm just gonna think that there was something holding Crestron back from doing it because Crestron, and I've said it before in the show, Crestron is a big bowl of mac and cheese. It's comfort food for integrators. They know the brand, they know their they know their engineers, they know what they're getting out of Crestron, they know the Swirl logo, right? You walk into any conference. 
for the last 15, 20 years, and you know that there was a black touchscreen on that, and you knew who that belonged to for the most part. They were the dominant player. We got evidence of that once um, AMX was purchased. We thought AMX was a close second. And when we go to, you know, dig into the numbers, we discover that Crestron was the bigger, the, the, the bigger, uh, I guess, player in that space than we thought. So Crestron's holding this, you know, this brand in a lot of hearts and minds because a lot of people were very comfortable with what they were doing with that. And I think that, you know, one of the side effects of the pandemic is that people have been having to rethink and reimagine how they do business. And even the customers are rethinking how they do integration in rooms. Because as of today, and today is April 8th, right, that we're recording this. As of April 8th, give me somebody who can definitively, definitively define what the huddle space of 2022 is. And I will tell you that they're also trying to sell you a bridge, right? Or some swamp <laughs> land. It doesn't exist. Who's huddling? <laughs> uh, okay. I to me, if I if I if I ran Crestron, I would have waited too, right? Because where they are dominant, they have a walled garden in a lot of ways. And when you start moving from appliance to service, it's far easier for a competitor to come after you and and to take market from you. So, you know, there's this the whole shift from hardware to software is kind of is the reason why I'm in this field is because of the opportunity that I saw arising from it over the last five years. And yeah, this is a place where you can compete against Crestron without being a monster. Brent, can I can I ask you the follow up question? We'll just remove Tim as the host from this conversation. Sure. It's, not, it's nothing new. <laughs> Do you now see this as what we formerly knew as the ecosystem wars, right? Everybody wanted to create, you, you, you called it a walled garden. Uh, Marketing-wise, we'll, we'll refer to it as ecosystems, right? Mm -hmm. We build our own little space, we add our own little devices. Within our little uh, ecosystem, uh, it's, it's safe. It's the safe confines of that. Once you start moving into this, you know, out-of-box experience, what happens? Right. And I think this is now also signaling that the ecosystem is changing. Even, you know, that's evolving and how how we used to think of it as you buy your speakers, your camera and your 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 hardware pieces or devices. And that was an ecosystem. Your ecosystem right now in the world of AV in 2022 has to include services and objects living in the cloud. That is part of your ecosystem now, and that includes backend, that includes servers, that now drags your entire IT department into the conversation. And God, we can open up a can of worms by talking about AV is IT and the other way around. So, I mean, but it is. AV is, AV is IT. It's you know devices on a network moving data back and forth, right? It's it's, simple. It's pretty. It's pretty simple. It's just a matter of how complicated <laughs> are the devices, and what's proprietary mm -hmm. in them or not. And at some point with the ecosystem wars, you have to decide, do you open up or not? And if someone else opens up, I mean, you know, I worked in apps and mobile apps in 2010 and saw Android basically come in and just swallow up advertising because they said completely open. Right. So there was Android iOS and no other player was able to survive. One was completely open and one was completely closed, pretty much. 
right? So eventually this conversation about ecosystems is going to go the same way and someone's going to bust through with something that's not the, the closed off walled garden version of it, but that is open and lets people do whatever they want. I mean, yeah, you got to let people program in different languages on the back end, of course, right? Yep. You know that you know that Tim is gently weeping over the loss of his BlackBerry. <laughs> oh no! Hang on, hang on. Coxon was the BlackBerry. I was the Palm guy. Oh, even worse. I, I had a BlackBerry and a Palm. I had a BlackBerry <laughs> and a Palm Five at the same time. I held on to the Palm all the way through the Pebble, right? The oh, slide wow. out, the black. Oh yes, that thing was. Oh my god! I gosh. still got a bunch of. I still have a bunch of those. You know. What, what, um, what, and think about it. What was it that held, that allowed Rim to hold on for as long as they did? I mean, they should have been dead sooner. They should have been dead sooner. Security. But the thing that allowed them they to hold on. They should still be dead, Brent. It, oh, come on. Corporate security was the thing that allowed mm -hmm. them to hold on. Yes. And the thing about yep. this announcement from Crestron that I thought was sort of buried in there was the enterprise security. And, and what does that mean? And is it enough? Well, it means that we're, as an AV industry, we're finally getting it. Is it enough? No. Exactly. No. But I will tell you this, a big company like that has has more um, opportunity to create the right type of security paperwork to get yeah. through that process. We built a virtual receptionist at a company I worked at, a piece of software that just used, um, you know, WebRTC and, you know, some point-to-point -point server analysis. Now we were selling that to corporate and that was fine for virtual receptionists, but the second a hospital wanted it, we didn't have anywhere close to the documentation on how it worked to get that through the system. So somebody like Crestron could definitely open those doors by making sure that they have all that paperwork in line. Yeah, and they've, they've so. already done some paper, some, some light work. They've got JITC uh, approval yep. for some um, uh, products and stuff like that. So yeah. Um, all right, I wanna get to this because, okay, I, I, I jokingly gave Coxman a hard time about trying to follow his, his career path. But uh, the story that we're gonna use to, to launch is a really cool impl implementation of a Nike Air Max uh, quote unquote 3D uh, LED screen illusion. It's, it, I say quote unquote, cause it's not, it's it's kind of, it's 3D without the glasses. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous. It's faux D? Um, yes, faux D, thank you. I'll, I'll jump on this. It's, so let's, let's say what it's not. It, it's not 3D. Yes. Um, it's not stereoscopic. No. Or even auto stereoscopic, it, or auto stereoscopic, and it's it's not AR, and it's not a hologram. Yeah. So let's say all those things. Let's say what it is. It's really freaking cool. It's really like, freaking cool. It, it does. It's really freaking cool. So this is what happens when, and for me, this is this is where it gets really fun. This is what happens when you get people that actually know how to create content, work within a building and the building's existing architecture and then add technology on top of that in a way to create an effect from a certain point of view that looks like it escapes the building. And there are a lot of, there are a lot of factors that go into that, right? Like they actually, parts of the screen aren't lit up as parts of the screen, they're lit up to look like the building mm -hmm. so that when the shoe comes out, it looks like it's going in front of the building when it's really still contained within the screen, right? And so that's a play of content, of perspective, of architecture and AV all mixed into one to create this awesome experience you know, it, I would say that's experience technology made by some group probably um, somewhere, but experience technology and it's really freaking cool. And from that point of view, it's awesome, but I can recreate it with my 27 inch monitor over there in a cardboard version of a, of a building 
and make it look like that, make it look like it comes out if you know the concepts. But it's a really, really great execution of a 2D screen viewed from the right angle with an awesome content producer and coordination with the, with the people who own the building. It's, the, it's a part of the evolution, right? And we're going to have all these sorts of things that are part of the evolution of getting to a, you know, I, I don't know that we ever, those of us ever really see the like complete virtual world where people are only in that world. It's beyond our lifetime. I think we continue to see the evolution of things that overlap. Yeah, I think so. I think to, to just to say what would be really, really cool, you know, those screens are viewed like if you're standing on the left side of the corner looking in, it looks like it escapes. But if you were standing on the right corner, it doesn't look like that because it's not, you would normally see the other view of that building from that side, right? Um, what'd be really cool is if you could take a, uh, do like a high frame rate, right? And you have a stereoscopic left and right view and use LEDs with louvers. So if you're standing on this corner, you see the right view. And if you're standing on this corner, you see the left view and you actually get two different effects from two different viewpoints within the space. Yes. Now you start to think, and though all these things are possible, it's just as creative technologists, how can we help people think about, okay, that's cool. Now, how do we take it to the next notch and the next notch and the next that's notch? That's the exact concept I'm trying to sell an architect for a project that I'm working on. That concept, exactly. See, this is why I had you two on together. He's not there yet. I got three more years to get him there, so we'll see. Mr. Neto, from a, a distributor standpoint, and, and, mm -hmm. and not for nothing, but distributors have evolved into service providers as well and, and consultants in their own right. So mm -hmm. talk to, to Coxon and talk to Brent about how you guys can kind of wrap it all together and go to clients with, with crazy ideas like this. We can't. I'm sorry. Okay. No, it's, it's, it's not that easy. I mean, if you want to do these kind of things, internally, we have a great staff. Right, we have CTSDs. We have all the the Avixa certified guys and and and, and women in working at Starin. Right, we have that. But I think this level of of imagination is not going to be seen, you know, or just going to come from somebody who wants to sell boxes. This is something that is, you know, there's a math to this. Coxon will remind this to me every time that we were with Barco and we were working on, on LED or projector mapping or any of these projects that we were doing back then that there is a science to this, right? This is the side now, get ready because again, more booing is gonna happen, but this is the side that the AVIT conversation is not gonna talk about. There is a science to what we do and there's an art to what we do, right? This is where the IT separates from it, right? Because if the IT doesn't think with, a, with an artistic mindset, uh, this is just the monitor on a screen uh, on, a, on a desk. To Im imagine this, you have to be, you got to employ people that are graphic artists, right? That still yeah. pick up a piece of paper and understand how to make a sphere and how to make a, you know, how to make a cube, right? Some of these ideas that are shown there, I was doing in art classes with, with charcoal back in the day or with pen and ink. Absolutely love it. Did I continue on with this field? Absolutely not, because you put the computer in front of me, it couldn't happen. So there, these are the people that you're gonna be recruiting at a Parsons uh, School of Art and Design in New York, and you're gonna go to the art schools that are better not gonna look at the shape of things and just see a square, and they're gonna wanna go into depth perception and stuff like that. And then we can stand on our podium again and talk about how our technology is not ready for what we wanna do.
right? Because that's where that's where AV people thrive in is taking parts of things and, and all of a sudden have to having to rig it to make it work because it doesn't exist today, but it will one day. But until then, let's prove it wrong and let's see what we can do with what we got. Right. So again, this is you're treading into magician territory for AV people. We're starting to get our wizards and magician titles back by by doing stuff like this. I went into New York. I went into Times Square, and the Marriott Marquis has a massive LED screen that wraps around the corner. And they've done some ads like that before for Balenciaga and for some other uh, high-end um, ad people in that space. I went there, and I stared and waited, and I was there for about 20 minutes, me and Joe Dunbar. Well, you know, we were both in Manhattan. We were sitting there looking, and all we got to see was a big old flat ad for Anderson Cooper. They used the turn, but it was Anderson Cooper's face and on CNN and then big Anderson Cooper on CNN. There was nothing to it. It seems like now you're going to start getting flavors of digital signage and the content that goes in. Oh, you want regular content? Here's your happy meal of content. And then there is the custom stuff. And I think that's where Mark and Brenner are going to be playing more in than uh, the world of, you know, out of the box stuff. And most distributors, to be honest with you, and most people that are out there providing these services, uh, yeah, well, you know, we can sell the LED that goes with it and we can pr provide you with the service and, you know, the mechanical parts to it. But when it comes to the content creation, this is where it gets very tricky because we need to know where our strengths and weaknesses are. And right now, creativity is not something that we have in-house at Starin to create those kind of designs. So for us, we would probably go ahead and recommend, the, you know, one or two companies that are out there pushing those envelopes and doing that kind of content, Right. And we're not out there to compete competing with the integrators anyway, who are going to be looking to bring those folks in, right? About a year ago, maybe two years ago, we were talking about how data, data scientists were needed inside of AV. Man, if people had only hired some data scientists prior to the pandemic, they would have had some great data over the past two years of how things are being used in spaces. But no, we, we argued against that, and we all decided that that wasn't a good thing. We were just collecting data and didn't know what to do with it. We could have used some scientists. Well, the next argument is going to be, do we bring in the in-house content creation people? Yes, it's going to cost you money, AV folks, company owners. It's not going to come cheap. You're not going to get them out of the Art Institute of Philadelphia on a dime. You're going to get them, and they're going to come with a premium because they're going to create images and do things like this. So, fair warning. You know, Unreal is today's HTML. And, you know, if you're, you know... Any, if you're under 25, learn Unreal and you'll always get a job. And the same way that you can find someone at $15 an hour, 18 or 25, who can code HTML, that's eventually going to happen with, you know, engines like Unreal. You know, it's going to, it'll take some time. It, I, but I do think, you know, there's this thing with AV about, do you want to be, do you want to be in the trades or do you want to be in the arts and sciences? Do you want to be AV plumbers? Or do you want to design water sculptures, you know, and there's places to play on, on both ends. And some of us like to do the water sculptures. Some of us like to do the cool stuff. And, you know, we want to work with somebody who's reliable with the plumbing. Yeah, we just we got to We got to just shift our mindset from being the GC, you know, based projects because everything is based around the building and the, and the general contracting and stuff like that and start thinking a little bit outside the box. I think that that has given uh, a lot of freedom to projection mapping. It's given a lot of freedom to the LED uh, stuff like this, the the Nike signs and obviously the Balenciaga signs and all these ads that are getting attention. Man, even drones are finally starting to get the attention of people because it's more than just a camera on a on a helicopter. 
yeah. right? You're seeing these things being brought up in the same in the same context in 3D, where they're adding depth and shapes and movement to these things that at one point we're just gonna what, what can we make out of this? Oh, we can make an arrow at the point that we're here. Awesome. Now what? I mean, look at what they're doing in place of fireworks. So it's oh, taking yeah. light shows and it's taking graphics, and they're 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 basically recreating the same thing with LED, you know, what they have with LED, but now it could float and go anywhere. Yeah, no, no pollution. You've got, you know, AI. I mean, NVIDIA was a big part of that with the AI and parallel processing and a hive mind for all these drones. I mean, we're, we're at a point where technology can do some really cool mm -hmm. things. It's just like you said, Chris, it's unleashing the Chris or like Bren said, who wants to be the sculptor and who wants to be the plumber, right? Like there's there's those two roles and they're both equally important. So as we wrap up here, I, I was giving Mr. Coxon a hard time. I, it is kind of interesting, though, where he's headed, and, and it was a group I was not familiar with. Uh, but Mark has recently joined AVISPL, part of their XTG uh, group. Talk about that for a second, because you guys are on, on, a, on a path. You've been hiring some, some pretty talented folks. Um, yeah. Explain to folks what, what they're doing there. So, so just like what we were just talking about, um, in projects like the Nike sign, there's a delicate interplay of a whole bunch of different stakeholders that aren't traditional stakeholders AV people talk to. Um, or if they try to talk to them, we get bred in late and at the end. So, you know, a, a sign like that, there's a building owner, there's a stakeholder, there's somebody at Nike that's doing advertising. There's, you know, those people as far as the end client goes, they're not just IT managers. There probably is an IT manager involved in that to make sure we have the backbone and fire. There's a hundred percent IT manager. hundred percent. They, they're paying the bill. Yes. But a lot of times what happens is too, when you get marketing and when you get the C-suite involved and you say the bill that you've uh, approved will get you this and the bill that will get you this next level is X amount more, those are the two people that can say, spend it, mm -hmm. right? They'll find budget from another department. So I like to say, don't take no, no for an answer just because the IT budget isn't there. If you have the stakeholders in the room, experience goes beyond the IT department. And a lot of times those decisions get made and those budgets increase. But what our group does in a, in a 20 second commercial, you know, we are a special operations fire jumping crew that overlays all the AVI SPL offices. So all of the offices across the world, and what we do is we help kind of manage that delicate interplay of architecture, content producers, fabricators, and AV to make sure clients know what's possible. And then we help fill in the gaps to make sure that we have a program manager that manage that project all the way through using the local resources and labor to deliver it. And then they have a local office there to support it long-term as opposed to a, a very small niche company that may have to travel a lot more. So yeah. it's a really cool thing that we're that we're trying to pull off. And I, we've been doing a great job so far. And I'm super proud to be part of it. So. And I'm super excited for you too, dude. Seriously. Yeah. I really, it sounds like really cool. So. And, and I'm designing some XR stages now, Mark. So we should talk. Yes, hey. I'd love to. All right. Uh, on that note, uh, how you get a hold of Bren Walker, she'll say here in a second. But thank you so much, ma'am. Always a pleasure to hang out with you. And I especially appreciate it on your day off. So how do people connect with you? Uh, you can get me Bren at Kirkegaard.com or Brenda J. Walker on G on LinkedIn. And when I make it to Twitter, it is for AV in the AM, and that is Bren Walker AV. That's the handle I have. I have no other Twitter handles, and you won't see it active except unless I am on AV in the AM. Brought me back to Twitter after I'd said I'll never, never go back. You you got her back in there, Mr. Neto. He so, did. Uh... He did. That's crazy. How can people get you on Twitter or this uh, this uh, AV in the AM thing that she's talking about? So AV in the AM is a Twitter chat. You can find us on Sunday uh, just by typing in hashtag 
that's the number sign or the pound sign, however, uh, whatever, however whatever old you are. Right? Yes. Yes. Uh, that's the hashtag avian AM search. You'll find that out. Uh, if you go to my Twitter handle, Chris underscore Neto, I generally put out the five questions that are uh, the topic for today. So you just uh, take a look at them, answer the questions, jump into the mainstream or to any of the streams, answer the questions, tag AV in the AM with the hashtag or me, and I'll make sure that it gets uh, seen and heard. Well, more mainly seen. Uh, that's where you'll find me on Twitter. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Christopher Neto CTS. I still use those three uh, letters at the end of my name. Still have it, which is kind of cool. So you can find me there. Uh, but I'm going to take this time and this stage to say, uh, check out uh, my uh, LinkedIn post for today and a couple of things that I've done uh, with Starin recently. We are going back to Infocom. Uh, specifically, we are helping uh, the folks with the service um, the Silver State Service animals, uh, we're trying to raise funds to uh, provide a first responder or a, a veteran with a service animal. We had him at the last Infocom that we were present at, which was in Orlando in 2019, and it was a big hit. A lot of people were big uh, fans of the, uh, of the charity, and yes, we did bring puppies to a trade show, and people were using it, it as a mental break. So we will invite you. I can't guarantee that we'll have puppies this year, but... Uh, we're looking to raise funds and do the same thing. We we picked a local charity, and I think our philosophy is now, uh, we you know first we wanted to help people, but I think we also now got to the point where we want to help uh, wherever we're having a show. We would like to do something local to help the you know leave it in a better place than the way we found it. So uh, check out uh, what we're doing there, and that is my plug. And uh, the last thing I have to say is that at some point Mark Coxon will become the Kevin Bacon of AV, and you will then have to say. You know how I am connected to Mark, and how I once worked with Mark, and then you get back to Mark. So just telling you that may be the drinking game at Infocom 2022. Mine's still going to be you, Neto. Well, that, uh, I'm only one company behind him in terms of splitting around. All right, Mr. Coxon, how do people connect with you? Best places on Twitter. I'm active on Twitter as uh, the AV Phenom on Twitter, so I'm there. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn. Uh, slide into my DMs. I'm happy to talk. Uh, if you try to sell me something, I may give you a snarky comment back. Yeah. But um, other than that, I'm I'm super open and looking for looking for new friends. So yeah. you can also check out his incredible. Uh, he has a number of different podcasts and recordings, and also uh, writing over at Rave Pub. So check him out there as well. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, do not follow me on the Twitters. Um, the Blues are still playing, so that's that's a positive. Um, but uh, go by the website if you would please, avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others, uh, including our couple of other. Our one monthly is Resi Week, looks at the residential side of the AV industry and a number of of uh, different uh, monthlies. So check all that out and more at avianation.tv. It's avianation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week. Mm -hmm.